Welcome to The Kitchen Table, a conversation about faith, music, and culture. Join Shine.fm's ministry director, Brian McIntyre-Utter, and his 18-year-old son, Jake, around the table for this week's chat. Welcome to episode number 21 of The Kitchen Table. I'm Brian. And I'm Jake. And this, of course, is a program that we do each and every week to celebrate generations and also encourage parents and their teenagers or young adult children to have faith conversations more than anything. This is what we do. We spend about 20 minutes just discussing a faith question. And then we bring new songs of the week. So Dad brings a new one, and then I bring a new one, and then Dad brings an oldie but goldie the way that we like to – I like to call it. I've adapted it. I've accepted it, yeah. And so – that's the music matters. Uh-huh. And then we do a final segment we call Culture Shock. That's where we just discuss something that's happening in culture that we think is relevant and important for us to share. Yep. So our faith question for this week, can Christians get a tattoo? This seems to be like a major discussion question for a lot of people today. Uh, are you going straight to hell or are you perfectly okay if you get a tattoo as Christians? Hmm. Now, I wanted to have a guest on today, Chris Baker, and unfortunately, Chris is in the hospital right now. Otherwise, I could have got him. I love Chris. I love his ministry. He has a tattoo parlor. It's called Inc. 180. As a part of the tattoo parlor, his business, he has a ministry. He actually does for free cover-up tattoos Mm -hmm. for former gang members or anyone who has been enslaved through human trafficking because a lot of times they will literally brand with a tattoo. And so he does that. He has tattooed literally hundreds of people for free to cover up those kinds of tattoos. And, of course, he shares his his story and his testimony with each and every one of them. So, unfortunately, Chris couldn't be with us this week, but we want to send out our best wishes to Chris as he's in the hospital. I think he said he's probably going to get out tomorrow, Monday. We're excited about that and back on the road to recovery. And hopefully we can get him on a program sometime soon. But we still want to address this question. Is it okay for a Christian to get a tattoo? Both you and I have tattoos. Disclaimer, we both have one. Yes, Dad has had one since I was... Six? When did you get yours? I a while ago. I don't remember the year. Yeah. Um, but I just recently got mine. I got mine about a month ago now. Right. And so that's just the disclaimer. We both have tattoos, so that's where our stance is. We want to be neutral on this. Yes, and we, we want do. to provide both scriptural reference, historical reference, and then, as always, many times, it's up to you and your walk with Christ mm-hmm. and whether you feel like this is against Scripture or not. This is what we do know. Currently, about one in five people in the United States have at least one tattoo on them. And that number has actually gone up, the uh, popularity of it. 16% in 2003, 14% in 2008, and we're at 21% right now. You're listening to The Kitchen Table, a father-son show talking about faith, music, and culture. The bottom line question, is it a sin to get a tattoo? What does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about tattoos? Well, in a quick answer, it says nothing about it. Now, some people are going to say, well, what about Leviticus 19? Okay, let's get there, shall we? It makes no specific reference. When I say it, I'm talking the Bible. makes no specific reference to tattoos as we understand them in modern times today. Now, in Leviticus 19.28, this is what it says. And a cutting of the dead you will not make in your flesh, and writing marks you will not make on you. I am the Lord. Now, the word writing in Scripture, when you break this down, means to inscribe or engrave symbols or words. The word for marks is uncertain in the root of that word. 
What we do know is the word tattoo in and of itself did not appear in the English language until the late 1700s. So if you go back to like the King James Version, yeah. which came out in the early 1600s, it says, you shall not print marks on yourself. That's what scripture says specifically about this. We're going to get more into that. Mm. But I wanted to look at um, the historical background of why this law was included in the Old Testament. A couple things happening in there. Of course, Israel, they were slaves in Egypt. They were rescued from slavery, and that was uh, between Egypt and Canaan. Now, Egypt did tattooing at the time, and it was limited to just women. In fact, evidence shows that the tattooing uh, of women was associated specifically with fertility. It was believed to be a good luck charm to protect the birthing process. Really? That's why they did that. Now, in Canaan, instead of marking the body with ink, they took this to extreme. It was extreme scarification, which that still happens today in many cultures. So it's sort of like branding or slashing or gashing the skin, rather. Canaanites would slash their body as a part of a, a ritual, okay? It had a ritualistic purpose as a part of this. Now, it does seem from this scripture, God is forbidding scarification and it's not tattooing as we know of it today. Yeah. With the whole scarring and with the whole uh, branding, it's not the same as getting a tattoo. Like getting a tattoo, it's not like actually damaging your body as branding would. You're cutting yourself, cutting letters or cutting symbols into yourself. You're just getting ink into your skin as mm -hmm. like for today's tattoos. Right. And back then it was a more serious and more intentional, I don't want to say intentional because getting a tattoo is intentional, but... It should be. Well, yeah, I, yeah, that's what I mean. Like getting a tattoo should be intentional. Like scarring, I feel in my, in my opinion, it's a way more intense. It's just serious, which getting a tattoo is serious, but it's like a whole nother level of serious. Scripture does talk about how our bodies are the temple of Christ. Yeah. And everything that we do with our body should glorify God. You see, this is very timely, but it's also a very controversial topic, and you have people on both sides of this. Yeah. Those that are opponents to tattooing, they ignore Isaiah 49, 16, where it says God inscribed a picture of his people in his palm. Now, maybe this is metaphorically, or maybe actually, you know, God has his picture of you in his palm. Again, we don't know what God's palm looks like. We don't yeah. know the size of his palm. That's a lot of people. That actually is in Scripture, Isaiah 49, 16. And the, uh, the Amplified Version actually uses the word tattooed, not really? the word inscribed. It actually uses that word. God gave the command to the Israelites, this was about 1444 B.C., to forbid them from practicing idolatrous customs that they'd picked up when they were in captivity in Egypt. So again, that's where that comes to the slashing of themselves to express their grief, appease their, their imaginary gods. The Egyptians tattooed their bodies with symbols of the pagan gods. The heart of God's message isn't necessarily about body art, but it's about reminding the Israelites they belong to them. Now, if Christians today adhere to the literal application of every moral and ceremonial rule handed down to the Israelites, that would mean from Leviticus, we wouldn't be eating shrimp today. You wouldn't be enjoying that cheeseburger medium rare today. Um, mothers would be unclean. Uh, after childbirth, they would be separated 40 days from society for a boy and twice as long for a girl if we obeyed every law that came out of Leviticus. You can kind of see yeah. that, how this is, it's just a, a strange thing. Yeah. When you're making a decision, and again, the decision's up to you, but there are some guidelines that will help you make that process of a decision when you're trying to decide to tattoo or not to tattoo. Looking at several different things here, the word modification, our body 
is God's temple. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says that. The Bible has a high view of the body as God's handiwork, and we're not to disfigure that handiwork. So we have to ask ourselves, as much as we can modify our bodies, and let's face it, we have people that have done so much plastic surgery, they look like an animal now. That's modification. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of that going on. Disfiguring the beauty of the human form as God made it, that is what modification. We have to we have to ask ourselves that question. You're listening to The Kitchen Table, a father-son show talking about faith, music, and culture. What is the motivation behind you getting the tattoo? So we both have one. We've already said that. Yeah. What was your motivation behind getting that? And you can describe your tattoo. Yeah, um, so my tattoo it is on my my right upper forearm on the inside and it says uh, music speaks and it's kind of the words are flipped and there's a, a line in the middle and with my major I really want to do music therapy and I really want to help kids with through music and the reason I got it was because my beliefs are that music is another way you can express yourself and sometimes it can help you say what you really need to say more than words. And so that's why I really wanted Music Speaks. Music has played a crucial impact on my life, and I thought that it was best fit to get it inked on me. And music is a great way to glorify God. Yeah. Absolutely. My motivation, and we have to ask ourselves this question, you know, why get a tattoo? I got my tattoo as we were coming back from living seven years in South America Mm -hmm. to just mark that point in my life. And mine is on my upper arm, and so I hide it. Most people don't even know I have it. And it is the world with a radio antenna on it because I'm a radio guy, and I did radio in Latin America. It has the phrase, by all means possible, and Acts 1-8. That's just a reminder to me that we will do whatever it takes to communicate the love of Christ by all means possible. For me, it's through many times radio, airwaves, or any kind of media. And so you have to ask, what is the motivation to get a tattoo? Why get one? Is it to rebel against your parents? Well, that's not acceptable. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3 talks about that. Is it uh, self-expression? Now, self-expression can be okay, but remember, our primary motive for anything we do, and I mentioned it before, should be to glorify God. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Getting a tattoo for the purposes of witnessing, like Bible verse or a symbol or a cross. One of my friends has a Bible verse across her wrist. That can be acceptable. I'll say that. But remember, that's not the primary or most effective way to evangelize somebody. But it can open up conversations. Yeah, I was like, I think tattoos that are very Christ-like and that are very special, meaning that no one would really understand is a really good way to open up a conversation. And if it has a deep meaning that goes back to Christ, that's a great way to evangelize, I feel like, especially nowadays, because I'm the kind of person that is really always interested in what tattoos mean. I'm a really, like deep meaningful guy like i i want to understand why they did it and so ever since i got my tattoo i've kind of just gone up to random people and like hey what's your tattoo mean yeah and i think it's just a great conversation starter well i was reading a blog by a gal named jan walker who has a tattoo it's on her right wrist it's two simple lines that are intertwined but they represent an important part of her life she battled with anorexia And she says about her tattoo, my tattoo allows me to have great conversations with people I normally would not get an opportunity to share Christ with. People who never ask me about my faith will ask me about my tattoo. I can share how Christ walked with me during my treatment and recovery process. During the battle with anorexia, my body did not honor God. It honored the scale, clothing size labels, and calorie counting apps. 
She says, my tattoo represents a body turned back over to God and the life that he desires for me. I thought that was great. So the motivation, you are not fulfilling the Great Commission simply because you have a tattoo of a Bible verse on your body. Just keep that in mind. Why? Why get the tattoo? And that's, you know, as Jake said, he wanted to get one. I said, make sure that it matters. Make sure it marks something in your life. It's with you forever. They do remove them. It's an expensive, painful process. This is a permanent thing. You know, you're going to grow old with that. You're listening to The Kitchen Table, a father-son show talking about faith, music, and culture. Modesty. Modesty means we're not being self-promoting. Through getting a tattoo, are you seeking to direct people's thoughts toward God or toward yourself? If you have little kids, you might want to just pause the audio for a second. One tattoo that has become famous has the name Tramp Stamp, yeah, which is a tattoo along the lower back. Is that something that is pointing people's thoughts towards God or towards yourself? We have to think modestly will lead us to think about this. Even will limit the size, the number of tattoos, the location of tattoos we have. You also, and we had this discussion with Jake about your marketability as a person. Yeah. Will any future employer hire you if you have a tattoo? And that's why I told Jake, I'm like, you want to put it in a place where you can cover it if you need be or keep it open. And so he put it on his forearm. So I'm like, all right. So that means T-shirts at certain times, yeah. more than likely, you're not going to be able to wear if you've got to cover that up. You're talking a three-fourth length shirt. Yeah. That's why I put mine up on my upper arm, right. almost Bicep, to my shoulder, yeah. because then I can wear a T-shirt and it's covered up. Yeah. Numerous companies don't want your tattoo to be visible. But and they actually I've can, also read yeah. an article that that's kind of changing now. It is. A lot of companies, they understand the fact that, like, I have a lot of senior friends. So with this, they have the conversation of tattoos because one of my good friends has a tattoo right, right in the same place that I do. And they were talking to her about it, and they asked the meaning. Mm-hmm. And they and she said that it was it was a special meaning to her, and they understood that. And yeah. I think that's where the transition of people who are offering jobs and who are interviewing for jobs, I think it's becoming a more understanding balance for the tattoo. So I think that's a step in the right direction mm-hmm. for tattoos, but just make sure that you have a deep meaning and a, a connection because it is with you. It's permanently yeah, that's the message of the, that tattoo, and that's another thing we have to think about. What is it about yourself that you want to communicate to the world? Because tattoos carry with them powerful messages. This is something yeah. permanent, right? There's a term that has been coined called tattoo regret. You regret it after the fact. The whole industry has grown out of that because you can have it removed. It yeah. actually costs more and takes longer to remove it than actually put it on there. And um, it's more painful, I've heard. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you also have to look at at money. Is this the wisest use of money to get a tattoo? We are responsible to God for how we use our money. So again, that's another question you have to ask yourself. There's medical concerns here, and that's why when Jake was looking at getting this, I said, well, let's check out the place that does this. You know, there are health standards that are involved with this because of the risk that can take place. Not only can you have an allergic reaction to the ink, There can be infections, unsightly scars. That's why it's tightly controlled now by the health organizations because of needles and bloodborne illnesses like hepatitis B and C. So you got to take those into consideration as well. Bottom line, when it comes down to it, scripturally, 
Some people are just going to be like, yeah, well, it says it in Leviticus. I can't do this. And more than likely, they're not going to change their mind. Yeah. Um, but then they're also having that medium rare cheeseburger. They're having mixed fabric in their poly blend shirt, which <laughs> that's all Leviticus law as well. You can't miss fabrics. You can't eat blood yeah. and meat, all those kinds of things. So, And to people who also believe that tattoos are a sin and that you're going to hell, don't judge people for their tattoos. I feel like that's a big misconception of tattoos is that just because you're getting one, you're not a good person. Olivet, I feel like it's a basic thing to get a good tat, like a Christian tattoo. There's a lot of people with them. They're all different in their own way. Mm -hmm. Like they all have a different meaning or a different story behind it. And I think that's the awesome thing about tattoos. Don't hate on them for that because it could be a lot deeper than you think it is. You're listening to The Kitchen Table, a father-son show talking about faith, music, and culture. Bottom line, again, let's go back to 1 Corinthians 6. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with the price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Mm. So will having a tattoo honor God? That's not for me to give the answer to you. I feel that the one I have honors God. Same. All right. Well, that wraps up the uh, faith question for today. And if you disagree with us, we still love you. And if you agree with us, we love you. And if you want to uh, ever communicate with us, of course, go to Shine.fm's Facebook page and join the Kitchen Table group, and we can talk about it more. Yeah. All right. Let's move into our segment we call Music Matters. Music Matters is a time where, again, we celebrate the generational differences. Now, I work in the music uh, radio industry, so I know a lot of music. I And don't. I think I know it all. And uh, you typically surprise me with something. I do. Today, I have a song. It's not a new song. It's actually several years old now. But there's a reason why I want to share it this week. A Canadian band called Down Here, they have a song called How Many Kings, which is played at Christmas time, but it's also played through the year because it can be applicable, you know, at yeah. any times. We're getting close to Christmas. There are actually radio stations that have already flipped I was like, over. There's, I was like, there's a big controversial topic of, is it too early to play Christmas or is it after Thanksgiving? Well, or? I know people that listen to it year round. Oh, so I know too. You can't blame them. But this song is played year round because it does apply at any times. It's called How Many Kings. And the, the reason I wanted to share this song is because Mark Martell, down here the band no longer exists. And there were two lead singers. They kind of harmonized together. They're really good. Mark Martell was the uh, the high tenor voice in the song we're going to be hearing. Mark does a lot of the vocals of the new biopic movie about the rock band Queen called Bohemian Rhapsody. Mark literally sounds just like the lead yeah, singer of it's, Queen. It's crazy. You showed and me a video once and I was... He, he actually was chosen to go out on like this reunion of the, of the original band. Of course, the lead singers passed away and he did the vocals for part of that tour. He sounds spot on. They've used him in the movie as well. Um, so that's why I thought I'd bring out a Down Here song. Hmm. And um, he does some great Christmas stuff as well that um, I'm sure we'll be playing here on Shine.fm. But here is Down Here, the band, song called How Many Kings. I've always loved Mark Martell. It's got a great voice. He Just does. a powerful it's, voice. It's crazy on how similar it is, like Freddie Mercury. 
I want to just mention, by the way, for those uh, listening to Shine.fm, why do you guys only play like 10 seconds of the song? Well, it's because we have this podcast and we have permission to play about 10 seconds or so yeah. of every song. And that's why we can't do the full song. And but we it, want you to go listen to it and support them. Yeah, there you go. So that's another reason that okay. I just made up. What's your okay, song? Okay, <laughs> my song for the week is Holland, who is kind of an upcoming artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's 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 gotten a little bigger now, but um, I went to Camp Electric, which is a great camp. Um, if you love music and if you play music, go to it. Toby it's, Mac is a big yeah, part of it's, it. Yeah, it's kind of like Toby Mac's camp. Um, and he always performs. And so, yeah, and the camp happens in Nashville, Tennessee, and it's a great camp. But Holland actually came out of that camp and performed at the camp. That I think that was the first place I actually saw her. And she has a new song out called In Awe. And it's just, I love the, the, the lyrics of the song and the, the meaning behind it. So here is a snippet of In Awe by Holland. Super talented young lady. Yes, she is. Okay, so there's the uh, generational differences right there. Now we get into the goldie but oldie. Oldie but goldie. Did I say that wrong? You said goldie but oldie. It's oldie, oldie but, but goldie. See, I even wrote it wrong. Oh, my word. That's terrible. Sorry. You coined the phrase. And I'm going back to 1991 on this one. That was uh, the year you and mom got married. It was. You see, what happened around 1990 in there is when... Christian artists started to have songs that were called crossover songs. So they started getting their songs played in like mainstream yeah. radio. And that happens from time to time. It's like Lo- Need to Breathe. Lauren Daigle, yeah. Need to Breathe, they're doing yeah. it right now. That year, that the number three song of the year for 1991 was by Michael W. Smith called Place in This World. That's what we're going to play today. But that was also the year that Amy Grant was number one for three weeks on the mainstream chart with really? uh, her song Baby Baby. The following year, Michael was number one in 1992, I believe, for two weeks with the song called I Will Be Here For You. This was the song, his first song, that actually crossed over awesome. to mainstream. <laughs> uh, so it's Michael W. Smith, number three song from 1991 called Place in This World. I remember back in my 2000 days where I listened to Michael W. Smith all the time. Your 2000 days. Yeah. Hey, I mean, it's almost <laughs> 10 years ago. Okay, so that wraps up Music Matters. Now we're going to move into a segment we call Culture Shock. So in Culture Shock, we discuss all kinds of things. It's sort of like this grab bag, miscellaneous, yep. potpourri kind of mixture of things. We've talked about celebrities. Uh, we talked about speeches and sports figures yep. and... Anything and everything. Video really. games. Video games. We got yeah. Fortnite once. This one I found. I found this um, article um, and I thought it was really great. I thought, man, it'd be good to share some of this. We're getting into that part of the school year where Thanksgiving's coming soon, then Christmas. And then next semester. Yeah. So this semester is kind of like in full swing. There's lots of projects and tests going oh, on. Yeah. And, and students have been in school a few months now. Maybe they're struggling, perhaps, in school. So I found this article about. How we as parents specifically can be praying for our kids that are in school. Let's face it, our kids face a multitude of challenges daily, and they need our encouragement as parents, but they also need our prayers. And so these are three specific prayers for our students. And this is from a blog by Rebecca Jordan. 
I thought I'd give her uh, credit for this. It's definitely not mine, but where's it's great. The, where's the free plug bell? I don't have my bell with me the today. The bell's not here. Yeah. The first thing is to pray for our kids that they would make new friends. And it's hard many times for kids to make friends. If, if you have a child who is more introverted than extroverted, yeah. it can be difficult. So school can be a welcomed place or it can be a very lonely experience, just yeah. depending on the personality of your child. And so we want them to seek friends that, that love God, that, that know God, you know, and, and, and that can influence each other yeah. in a positive way. We want to encourage our kids, if they're, if they're introverted, to be bold and to have strength in knowing that they're loved, that they're unique, that they're created by God. Also, if your kid is extroverted, pray for him to seek out the introverted kids. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think that's, that's an important thing, too. If your kid is insecure, pray that, that God will give them confidence so that they can be free to help others find that same assurance that they have found in God. Yeah. We want to guard our kids against being bullied or being teased. So those are some ways, you know, just a prayer to, to make new friends. Another prayer is a prayer for students to study well. Please. How do you feel about please that prayer, pray. Jake? Please pray. Please, please. Especially if your kid's a freshman in college yeah. trying to figure it all out. Yeah. How those study habits going? Uh, they're, they're there. They're there. They're just, they're I don't just... know if I should be encouraged by that. Well, it's just, yeah. So I should be praying for Jake. Thanks, Dad. That he studies well, that he develops I'm just, great study habits. I, I study, but I'm a terrible test taker. And you know this. Then change your method of study. I know. People are different. Valid. For me, what it did, I could read the textbook and I could underline and highlight things to try to take the test. Yeah. Do you know what did it for me? What? Was taking the important stuff out of the textbook and writing it writing down it. in a notebook. That's what you and mom tell me all the time. And it works. It does work. So why not do it? You know how hard that was for me to admit that? Ah, that, that it works? Don't, that let, we don't let mom listen to this, please. <laughs> We need to teach our kids as a part of, uh, or actually pray for our kids to study well, to how they manage their time and their energy, how they don't get overscheduled with choirs and bands and stuff like that. Okay, just just say my name <laughs> next time. Jeez. <laughs> Show them how to develop talents, find the path that God has set before them, to be courageous and adventurous in trying new things and to learn new skills. So to pray yeah. for our children to study well. Pray for them to make friends. Pray for them to study well. And the last one is pray for your child that they find a good balance between their school and their faith. If they go to the public school especially. Um, you go to a private Christian university. Yeah. And I went to a Christian high school. For most of your high school yeah. years. Right. We want to pray that God will make our students outstanding leaders and imitators of God's yeah. character and that they would be secure in their faith walk. We want to pray that God will give them a knowledge of his word time to memorize his word. Why are we asking for that? Well, they've got to balance that familiar truth of God's word against a host of other unfamiliar voices that are trying to sway their beliefs, change their opinions. I sat through a webinar on a research project done about things that youth are dealing with, and they hear one thing in the church, yeah. and then they go to the school setting, the public school setting, and they're hearing the total opposite. And so they're trying to struggle to figure out which one which is one? truth. Because my church says this, the school is telling me this, and they're just trying to figure that out. So we need to pray that our students find that balance between school 
and faith. And that ties into the first one, because if you have a good group of friends who are strong Christians and who help you grow instead of bringing you down, they'll help you get that balance between your, your faith and school. Bottom line, we need to be praying for our kids in school. Yeah. All right, that's Culture Shock. And that also wraps up episode number 21. Well, it's 9 plus 10. It's 9 plus it, 10. It's a vine. Nine Sorry, that was my... It's a vine. I'll show See, you this is the generational differences we talk it's, it's about. It's a vine. If, I don't do you even know vine. what vine is? I know what vine is. Okay, I I'm proud vine. of you. I Good didn't job. know vine even existed anymore. No, it's dead, but vines are still alive. Okay. And it, it was like a vine, and the older brother asked what the little brother said. He said, older brother said, what's 9 plus 10? And the little brother goes, 21. And the older brother goes, you stupid. And it's just end of vine. It was funny. And we celebrate generational differences. Hey. We'll just leave it there. <laughs> we are the future of America. <laughs> Yay. All right. Thank you so much for <laughs> hanging out with us. This is The Kitchen Table. We're wrapping up episode number 21. Again, the best way to contact us, if you have a faith question you'd like us to discuss, is by checking us out on Facebook. Just like The Kitchen Table group on the Shine.fm Facebook page. And then we can have some more discussions there and continue on this great topic. All right. So we'll see you next Sunday. Thanks for listening to The Kitchen Table on the Shine.fm podcast network from Olivet Nazarene University. Be sure to subscribe for more content delivered each week on faith, music, and culture.